Hello, Career Cohort. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Emily Wong, founder of Words of Distinction. We talk about tools for achieving career success, inspirational stories about overcoming career and life challenges, and how we can recalibrate our perspective to better enjoy the journey forward. So my guest today is Tanya Smith. Tanya is an on-camera video strategist and coach who empowers women-owned service businesses to cultivate a captivating conversational brand through live stream marketing. With over a decade of experience, Tanya has emerged as a distinguished leader and sought-after expert, sharing insights about content marketing for national organizations and events. On her weekly show, Stream Like a Boss TV, Tanya offers strategies and invaluable tools to elevate your on-camera presence. Tanya, thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me, Emily. It's been a long time and I'm glad we got to reconnect. Yes, absolutely. So just to go back in a time, a little time travel here, I first connected with you uh, because you taught a class through the Career Thought Leaders Consortium with mm-hmm. a Marie Zimanoff, and your company name at the time was Mindfully Marketing, mm-hmm. right? And I think you were at that time kind of transitioning uh, to focus more on video. And I want to say you introduced me to Canva at that time. You were the first person who I'd ever heard talk about Canva. And it, to this day, it's my all-time favorite tool. <laughs> it is the best tool. And You know, everybody can use it. You don't have to be a small business owner. You can use it for so many things. Yes. Yes. That is so interesting. And I love that you shared that. (laughs) Well, you know, the other influence you had on me, Tanya, is uh, I wasn't ready to start with video, but I think I was tiptoeing. I was doing this whole, like it was an audio experiment. I, I started my podcast and I, and that was largely because I was following you and I was thinking, well, what can I do? You know, Tanya started this fabulous business and this isn't my business. It's really supplemental to what I do, but I think you encourage people to get out there and I love the community you build. So what I'd love to do here, Tanya, is we have listeners who are a little nervous about the economy, they might be in transition, they might be thinking about how can they give themselves some sort of insurance to protect themselves from a loss of job. And because you took a side hustle to a literal art form, because you have always had a day job, right? I don't know, first of all, I don't know where you get your energy, but can you talk (laughs) about that journey? Oh, goodness. Um, It's been a lengthy journey. So I have now it is more than half of my corporate career. I've had both. So for 31 going on 32 years in a couple of months, I have been in a corporate role and I started doing my business on the side as a side hustle, as we call it about a decade and a half ago. So 16 years ago. Wow. So yeah, um, (laughs) 
just about half, if not a little more than my, my whole entire career, I've juggled both. And honestly, I didn't think that I would ever do anything like that because I'm an introvert, which I think we've talked about before. I am too. I am too. Yeah. I'm an introvert. I did not have any thought that I could even run a business. I never thought of myself as someone who would be an entrepreneur at the time, but I was interested in finding a way because sometimes in your corporate role or your, your job, your J-O-B, you feel held to the standards and regulatory boundaries of that work. So I was interested and intrigued by the whole idea of being able to express myself creatively, which led me into this business that I'm doing now. And I honestly was approached by someone when I moved to Dallas, Texas, I was approached by someone who said, what would it be like if you had freedom? And if you could make your own decisions about how you work and where you work and what you sell. And I laughed at her. Yeah. (laughs) And then I took her up on the lunch invitation. And when I did, I learned about becoming an independent beauty consultant at the time. Oh, interesting. Yeah. That's what led me down this path because before that I had no inkling. I just thought you check off all the boxes. You know, I grew up in a time where it was, hey, you check the box, you go to college. Well, you finish high school, you go to college, you get a job and then you stay in the job forever. Mm-hmm. And so I, I really ached and longed for roots because growing up as a kid myself, we didn't have a lot of roots. We were moving all the time. And when I actually took this woman up on this invitation to lunch and started hearing what all of these different women were doing and what they were capable of and how they were mentoring and coaching other women to do amazing things and to make money that they didn't have to report to a company to do, (laughs) like they could do it from their house with a computer. I thought, you know what, maybe I could do something like that. And that didn't end up being my gift, but what was the gift from that experience was the ability to find that I had talents that I didn't know I had. I had the ability to be able to to pick up different types of software and technology and to reach people across the globe with a telesummit. Yeah. (laughs) And Twitter and a lot of the other social media platforms were starting to become popular And so I leveraged those. I leveraged Twitter at the time um, to about, I don't know, I think at that point I was a little under 10,000, which was huge for that time. Mm -hmm. And it was all because I was consistently during the weekends and nights, (laughs) not during my business and corporate day, but I was figuring out ways to just insert myself into little pockets of time. One thing that I was always impressed with you, Tanya, is that you you were always ahead of the curve in technology. And you really only need to be two steps ahead because then you report back and write, you share what you're learning. And Mm. I loved that you I've I've sat in some of your Facebook groups and you're just very conversational and you've built community that way. You're experiencing, you're reporting back. And you have this, there's a sense of authority. And even when you were creating your background, I remember you kind of showed step by step, this is how I, d- I created it. I love your background. So 
unfortunately, the listeners can't see it, but if they go and when you share your links later, they'll be able to see your background. Um, and so what the other thing that I really wanted to point out, too, is your sense of community. I mentioned it earlier, but it is when you have those groups, you recognize your OGs, as you call them, and then you ask people <laughs> to call out, you know, if you're a newbie, and then you bring them in and you invite people in. And it makes it feel like, hey, I'm part of this party, this happy hour almost, like, hey, let's talk about this fun stuff and what we're doing. And you also support other businesses, yes. which is really great, like photographers. And um, Erica was on mm-hmm. recently. Uh, is it Erica? Erica Bates. Bates. Mm-hmm. Erica Bates, who does, she does she sell does summits? virtual summits. Virtual mm-hmm. summits. Yeah. That's yeah, not easy. She's amazing. Yeah. She's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> So when you are working with folks, when you're working with your clients, what is it? I mean, I think I can guess from my personal feelings. What is it that puts people off? What it makes them afraid to approach this virtual or or video opportunity? The same thing that made me (laughs) afraid to approach it, because as you stated, When you first met me, I was definitely not all in on video. I was doing mindfully marketing. And prior to that, I went through a whole number of iterations of my business model from when I left the independent beauty consultant role to where I am now. What is interesting about this journey, and I think this would be beneficial to people who are working full time right now, is that we get a chance to experiment in a safe way. I've always been told, oh, you need to let go of that job so that you can go ahead and go full time into your business. And I've just never been led to do that. Now, at some point in the future, sure. But up to this point, I've enjoyed being able to have this sustained um, income Mm -hmm. (laughs) while I'm also building my business and exploring who I want to be. Because starting out, I wasn't sure what type of entrepreneur I wanted to be, where my talents were, where my skills were. And getting to your question, in the end, it became community and video that I decided to focus on. But I didn't start there. Mm -hmm. I went through the whole social media, you know, marketing thing and the branding thing. I had all these different roles. And I actually started video out of a sense of desperation, but I was afraid to be on camera and be transparent right? and have people judge, you know, and make comments and all of those things, just like most people are. Mm-hmm. I didn't have the confidence that if I were to get on camera, I would know exactly how to make that thing work. I saw people who were on YouTube who had millions of followers, you know, hundreds of thousands and even 10,000. I thought if I could just get five. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be good to go. But there is this concern. I think when people first start out, there's a couple of questions they're asking themselves. One, should I be on camera? Yeah. (laughs) Two, if I were to get on camera, what would I even say? Mm -hmm. And then three, how is this going to make me money? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I get it if anyone is afraid or fearful of doing video because I don't believe that it's for everyone, but I do believe everyone should try their hand at it because it's just a form of experimentation. If you try it and you figure out that's not for you, there could be other paths like 
podcasting with audio only, or writing blogs, so text-based, or any number of creative ways, especially right now with AI and the introduction of, you know, artificial intelligence-based graphic design and all kinds of things. So the world is your oyster, but you have to put a toe somewhere, put a toe in the water somewhere. And so I chose video ultimately, and I found that I loved it. Mm-hmm because I was learning and growing and I was able to use all those talents that it took me all those years to figure out I had. <laughs> and it, um, it just blossomed. I think you raised such a good point about the experimentation part because, well, this is my advice, is that if you're listening, don't expect that that first iteration of your side hustle will be the long-term That's right. Goal, right? (laughs) Share something. So I left corporate because I wanted to be with my kids. And then I and I wasn't working. And then I was making my own jewelry. And somebody said, Oh, you should sell your jewelry. So I was selling my jewelry. And okay, that was not making me any money at all. (laughs) I enjoyed and and I didn't enjoy making it for somebody. I didn't make I enjoy making it as gifts, but not to sell it. That was too much pressure. And then I was working for a recruiter and I didn't like recruiting, but I did like helping people with their profile. So that's kind of how that led to it. And it's Mm -hmm. the same with you trying these different things where they all, they all led to this. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. Because when I came out of the beauty industry, I thought, well, my, my background is in HR, so I should be a career coach, which is how Marie and I got connected. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yes. I was a career coach. And then I thought, I don't want to coach people to be, to stay employed and to get, you know, try to vie for a promotion. Mm-hmm. Instead, I want to focus on hmm, helping people to brand themselves in their business because I kept having business owners that would call and text and email and say, What's that technology you're using? What's that software you're using? And how are you staying visible? And how are you, because my number one goal, honestly, at the time was I wanted to take my name back. I have a very common name. Yeah. And I saw online, if you typed in my name, you get the head of the Global Atheist Alliance or you get this police, this cop killer. Oh my (laughs) gosh. You get people who had mm, adverse... (laughs) Adverse personalities. What I wanted to do is to be able to differentiate myself (laughs) and to make sure that if someone pulled my name up, they saw positive representation. That's amazing. Because of my work in that space, I ended up going into brand marketing. Interesting. And then from brand marketing, I went into social media marketing. (laughs) And then from social media marketing, I went into content marketing and eventually came to the spot where I am now, which is video content. So it was all, it was broad and then it just niched down, but it was all an experiment. Exactly. I love that. That is so interesting. This is the first I've ever heard of somebody kind of going into the brand management because they wanted to take their name back. That's a great story, Tanya. Now you need to somehow get it out there that it's Tanya, not Tanya. I know. <laughs> Look, I've tried for years and that has not worked so far, Emily. So well, I don't know. <laughs> it worked for me because I remember it from the first time uh, you had your class. Oh, good. Well, I did something right. That's right. Um, okay. So, so we talked about what people 
are afraid of, especially if they're introverts. And you brought up that good point about worrying about what they're going to say, right? Can you talk a little bit about that and how how your clients overcome that, how, what you do to coach them through that? Yeah, this is a kind of a spillover from my days in the brand marketing space. Um, Part of the trouble, I think, with people who don't really get visibility using a tool like a video is that they're not really clear on what the relevance of their content is. And the reason why they're not clear on what to talk about and how to make it relevant is because they haven't really identified who they want to speak to. Mm-hmm. So if you're trying to speak to everyone, it's sort of like when I was doing the independent beauty consultant thing, the advice I got at the time was everyone with skin is your customer. Interesting. Yeah. So I came into the business, the entrepreneurial space thinking, well, everyone could be my client and my customer. But when you're marketing on digital and when you're marketing online, That's not the case. You have to get crystal clear because two things. One, we don't have a limitless budget Mm -hmm. (laughs) to market. I'm not a big Southwest Airlines or, you know, Coca-Cola or whatever your favorite big brand is that has this huge department and funds, you know, to do advertising. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing. But the second thing is if you're not clear about who you're speaking to, your audience doesn't know that you're speaking to them. Yeah. So finding that one person or identifying that one persona, so which is basically just a representation of who it is that you would love to talk to the most. For me, it's typically women age 45 and up who are in the process of thinking about what their second career may be, and they want to be able to use and leverage video content in order to be able to promote their offers of service that they've decided they want to create. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that starting out. So I was kind of all over the place. And many of us think that we're, we are multi-passionate. I'm not going to say we think that we are. We have all these passions, like you had the passion for jewelry, but we have to kind of narrow that down so that the algorithms and the different social media platforms know where to put us. Because if we're talking about jewelry today, And then we're talking about makeup the next day. And then the next day we're talking about politics. And then the next day we're talking about marketing strategies. And then if we're all over the place, they don't even know where to put us. So it makes it difficult to really feed you to anyone. That's a really good point. I like to say niche down to scale up. Yes. I think people don't understand. um, And I haven't understood this either. It's like, yeah, you want to reach as many people as possible, but actually when you niche down, your community grows. Yes. And then you end up also with those clients who are outside your your main demographic just because you Mm -hmm. built that trust and you built that community. So that's a really good point. And I didn't know about the algorithm. Like I know about you know, posting and getting your name out there and that builds the algorithm. But I didn't realize that if you're talking about a number of different things that that created challenges as well. Well, here's a big way, an easy way to connect to this. If you go to YouTube and I've had several clients in the last um, year or so who have, because of, you know, the pandemic and all the other things, been exploring and trying to figure out what they want to do. 
one of the first things I'm going to do is to audit <laughs> their channel. Mm -hmm. And when you go to YouTube and you look at someone's channel, if you can't figure out in the first 10 to 15 seconds what they're all about, you're going to leave. Right. And a lot of times YouTube will pick for you. They're like, well, I think she talks about cats. So we're just going to put cats as the most popular videos. Interesting. But that's not even your occupation. Your occupation is that you're a real estate agent, <laughs> but you don't have any of those videos on your playlist on the front to point that out to people. So but maybe you talked about your pet cat during a video. And you kept talking about the cat. <laughs> And you just didn't focus on using words like realtor and house, right? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. That's a real benefit. Tanya, I think uh, people are going to find a, that's a, that's a real nugget on why mm -hmm. to hire you as a coach. Beyond, I mean, we can talk about brand all day and talking about niche, but really understand the algorithms. Most people don't understand that part of it. Honestly, I think I want to erase the word algorithm that I shared. Instead, what I really want to encourage people to focus on is purpose, mm -hmm. right? So there's three things, your market, your message, and your mastery. And there's a fourth one called your method. Your mastery is what is it that I'm an expert in? Your market is who am I? sharing this expertise with and what kind of pain points do they have so that I can provide the solutions. And in the message you're sharing, this is how I make the connection and take you from here I have a problem to now I have this solution and now I'm in an outcome or in a space that I want to be in, mm -hmm. right? So closing that gap, that's what your message does. And I'll give you an example. For me, Again, I didn't know any of that stuff. I just was out there like, well, let me see. <laughs> Experimenting. And I tried everything. Mm -hmm. But in this moment in time, the reason why things have become more clear is because I do have those three parts. I have my mastery, which is the space of video content marketing and strategy to grow your business. My, um, my That's my mastery. My market is service providers, so coaches, consultants, and course creators. So I can clearly speak to them about their specific problems and challenges because I understand those. And when I speak, they understand that language is reaching out to them. They know that and that's why they come. Yeah. The message is this, you can leverage video and being on camera to serve more people, sell more of your services, and stand out online. That's a clear message to those service providers because those are things they want. And then that last one, which I kind of put out there just as a side gig, is the method. My method of doing this is my weekly live stream and then my programs that I move people into when they're ready to accelerate. So when you get those pieces, it feels like freedom for you, but it also makes it more attractive to someone else who is interested in finding out how you can help them. Yeah. Yeah. That's terrific, Tanya. Say I'm a newbie and mm -hmm. I want to, I want to dip my toe and there's so much technology out there. What do you recommend? Where can I just start with something small? 
If you're wanting to dip your toe, particularly into live streaming, which is really where I found my happy place and I tend to try to drive people to that. With live streaming, it really truly is about, actually it's about figuring out how you want to go about doing this without spending a lot of money. So I don't want you to, for instance, say, I think I'm going to try live streaming, so let me go buy this (laughs) $2,500 set. (laughs) Instead, use the resources you already have. So I started in a walk-in closet Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I had my mobile phone and I had my, you know, I also had my webcam on my not so great computer and I didn't have a microphone or any of that. I started first and tried to build up my confidence muscle by getting on at a regular time each week. In fact, I committed to doing a live stream once a week for a year. That was my goal. And the more I did it, the more confidence I got and the more comfortable I was with video. So my tip would be to start with whatever you have and wherever you are right now. Don't add a bunch of extra and make it complicated because you can literally go live from your phone on Facebook without anything extra beyond what you have today. So speaking of Facebook, what do you think about using the native apps for video versus using something? Because I know you've used um, StreamYard in the past. You've used different technology. And I don't know if that's too advanced for the listener, but you know, would you use the native versus the, the, the higher tech? I would suggest starting first with a native just so that you can see if this is something you even want to do. But you can also do a trial of something like StreamYard. StreamYard is a really simple platform to learn. It's not super complicated with a lot of buttons and, you know, gadgets for you to fill out. So if you were trying to use a platform to show comments, for instance, on screen or to, you know, have a fancy little intro clip that either someone created for you or you made in Canva, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? You could do something like that in StreamYard pretty easily. But the thing about it is once you start stepping up and adding platforms and third-party tools like that, you're then going to want to also upgrade all your gear and and start getting into the expense space. So before you ever do that, I definitely would say start native. Mm-hmm. Start on Instagram if that happens to be a happy place for you. Start on Facebook. Start on, um, you can't necessarily start on YouTube right off the bat, I don't think. I think there's some criteria that you need to meet, although they're starting to reduce that now. Oh, so they want to make sure that you're not going to share anything offensive? Is that the thing? That and because they want it to be a quality platform, (laughs) right? So, so there's certain criteria you need, at least you did need to meet. I need to double check and see what it is today because they recently had some real changes, some major changes to help small channels. Mm -hmm. But Facebook to me was the easiest and simplest because most people, if you have a Facebook account, you have friends that can help you, you know, give you some positive and constructive criticism, right? Mm, Yeah. Not destructive. (laughs) Whereas if you're on YouTube or something like that, it's wide open to anybody. Right. You brought up a really good point about the consistency. You did it every week for a year. I did. And I think that's something that we have to remember 
Uh, and when we do that, we make a commitment, not only to everybody else, we make a commitment to ourselves. That's right. And what we say matters, right? Do you recommend that when you talk to your clients, do you recommend that they kind of create, maybe they create a bunch of content, you know, ahead of time, and then it's easier to put it out consistently for a week? Well, I mean, I think the the definition of a bunch um, will depend. <laughs> Here's why I say that. Because uh-huh. there are two types of video marketers. There's more than two, but there are two main types, I'll say, that I've found. I'm one of them, but there's two. One is the group of people who prefers to create pre-recorded regular videos and they like to batch Mm-hmm. So they're going to do take a day and they're going to get six to 10 videos recorded. That way they don't have to mess with it again for a while. And then there's the other side of people who don't like to batch, don't want to make time to batch. They just want the inspiration mm-hmm. from the topic that they know they want to focus on. And they do that one video and they move on and they come back on a regular schedule and do it the next time. I fell into that second category which is why I did the weekly. But there are others in my group and in my community that say they prefer to do the batching. Mm -hmm. And they like to produce videos, which requires editing. One of the reasons why I went live, Emily, is because live streaming allowed me the freedom to be able to just be transparent and to mess up. And people understood because it was live and I didn't have to go learn some fancy editing tool or hire someone to edit for me. And, you know, that really serves your clientele because your clientele wants to know it's okay to make a mistake. Yes. (laughs) And getting back to the batching part, that's so funny because I I recommend on my coaching side, I do recommend that people batch like they're, you know, whether it's sending out emails that don't matter, you know, schedule time to batch that. Mm -hmm. Um, And as I'm talking to you now, I was coached at one point to batch all of my content for my podcast. But I'm like you, I actually do it other than the ones I schedule, because I now I'm doing an alternate, I, I have guests, and then mm-hmm. I do a single uh, okay. solo post, and then I have a guest and then I do a, a solo post. But I don't, I don't batch. And I know that's not, for me, that's probably not the most efficient way. But uh, yeah, I, that you raise a really good point that it really is what works for you, right? Yeah, I used to be of the the stance that there's this formula and if you follow the formula, then everything is going to be okay. But I have learned over time that what works for me is not going to work for everyone else and vice versa. So you get to take, and that's again, part of the reason why I love that I can do both the dual careers, right? The entrepreneurial side is where I get to experiment safely. And then the other side is where I'm doing my daily discipline thing that I have to do or that I choose to do, I'll say it that way, in order to take care of the things that need to be taken care of. So I get a chance to experiment. And I've learned that the more you experiment, the more you can pull from different people and find things until you create this little Frankenstein monster that is your own. Mm -hmm. And that's Mm -hmm. okay. I don't think there is such a thing as a black and white formula. What I do love to do, what you mentioned, is as I find things that work for me, I'm going to share them. 
if I see things that work for someone else, I'm going to share that too. And it's not contradictory. It's just giving people possibilities. Yeah. You know, I also wanted to share something from my own experience. When you put yourself out there, you stretch yourself like you've done, Tanya. So I was in Toastmasters a few years ago, and there's something called table topics. And table topics is where you, they'll come up with a topic and you have to get up and speak impromptu about that. So have you been, have you ever done Toastmasters? I have. (laughs) I used to, my heart would beat and I would feel it. And I would think everybody could hear my heart beating and it would scare me so much. And then I, you know, I, I had to stop for a while. I really loved the program, but then I had to stop. Things got very busy. And then after I started my podcast, I just went back recently to a new group and I don't feel that sense of nervousness anymore. And mm-hmm. I think it's because I stretch myself to the podcasting. Yep. I'm yes. still nervous, but maybe not <laughs> to that point. <laughs> but you feel more confident in your skin, right? And yeah. that, for me, doing video on that regular cadence that I decided to do allowed me to be able to feel more confident that I'm just talking to other humans. Mm-hmm. So it's okay. It's just a conversation that we're having. It's like we're in the same room, but we're really not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the more I saw things that way for any type of media now, I feel like it's just a discussion. It's just a conversation. I can, I can talk to people, but to your point, I was deathly afraid. <laughs> Toastmasters, when I did it, I stumbled And I was nervous and anxious and all of the things because I felt like there was just so much structure to, you can't say ums and ahs. Uh And now I'm kind of like, hey, I might say like a few times. Exactly. (laughs) Oh, exactly. I will say that this group that I'm with, I loved both of my groups. And the group that I'm with now, I was just kind of putting my toe out there. Maybe I'll go back to Toastmasters because I want to get better. I want to take my communication skills to the next level. Mm -hmm. The reason I really do love this group is they're very funny. Everybody's funny in the group. And it's, (laughs) you know, they all have a great sense of humor and you can mess up. And yeah, I really like that. So um, anyway, Tanya, I don't want to take too much of your time. You've given so much valuable information today. I just wanted to see if there's anything else that you want to leave our listeners with. If there's anything to take away, it would be don't listen to people who give you prescriptive advice about how you should operate your side business. Because everyone who makes a decision about going into business on the side of their career, it has to fit your lifestyle. It has to fit your calendar and your schedule. It depends on the job that you're actually doing as to where you fit those little nooks and crannies of time in. But it is doable. Mm -hmm. It can be done. The thing is, if you just like you just said, Emily, if you have fun with it, and you see this as less of another chore or duty, but it's fun and it's passion for you, I think that you'll find the time to do the things to build it and to let it grow. Mm -hmm. Just don't force the learning. Allow the learning to happen and take everything, every moment that you go through building up this business of yours 
is an opportunity for you to improve for the next day. I love that. That is such a beautiful way to end. Thank you, Tanya. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It was really nice to have you. And again, thank you so much for all your wisdom. Oh, anytime. I so appreciated Tanya Smith stopping by to share her wisdom regarding all things video. And I was so moved by her closing that I completely forgot to ask her to share her information. So here goes. To catch her in action, you can visit streamlikeaboss.tv or tune in live to her broadcasts on Facebook Live, LinkedIn, and YouTube. And I will share this information in the show notes. Thanks for listening to this episode of Career Cohort. I'm Emily Wong. You can find all my podcasts and blog posts at wordsofdistinction.net. And if you'd like to chat about how I can help you define the next step in your career and achieve your goals, head on over to the same website and book a time on my calendar for a free consult. In the meantime, please be sure to share, subscribe, rate, and review so we can continue to bring you great content. Thank you.